Welcome to the Teacher Transition Podcast, where we celebrate the incredible things former teachers are doing now. I'm Allie Parrish, and I'm so glad you're here. So teacher friends, are you ready to hear what your amazing educator skills look like when they're put to work in the world beyond the classroom? Let's jump in. Welcome to this exciting episode of the Teacher Transition Podcast. You know, if we are going to have one of our launch episodes be one of the best examples of teachers who've gone beyond the classroom that you can learn from, then it's going to be from Carrie Conover. In this episode, you are going to see how Carrie was very aware of her personal needs and her personal strengths and how she saw to her needs and went beyond the classroom to not only work at education companies and ed tech startups, but then to also create a company where she influences tens of thousands of teachers every year for good. So let's go ahead and jump into this episode. I am so excited to have you learn from Carrie's example and see how you can apply it to yourself. Carrie, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. You bet. Carrie, before we jump into your story about going into teaching and your path after being a classroom teacher, I'd love you to back us up all the way and tell us what did you want to be when you were a kid? What did you want to be when you grew up? Wow. That is a long, long time ago, but I'm going to try to go back there. You know, I don't know really that I knew that I wanted to be a teacher, but I remember playing school, like even in middle school. Um, But I don't think that I knew, oh, I want to be a teacher. I was also a musician um, and I ended up going to my undergrad in to get my undergrad in music. And so I think those two things were always, you know, be a professional musician slash teacher were kind of in my mind as a pretty young kid. Awesome. And speaking of that, I know you have a very untraditional path of how you went into teaching from the music world. Uh, Will you tell us, yeah, what was your story in getting into teaching? Yeah, it's interesting. So I went to DePaul University with a W, not DePaul with an L, and I majored in music. I was a saxophone performance major, and actually I was on the path to become a band director, which I, I realized wasn't really what I wanted to do. I was just kind of majoring in that because it was seemed like the right thing to do and what people were kind of telling me to do. Um, and so when I left school, college, I actually got a job working with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. So I moved to Chicago and I spent three years working in the education division of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. And so part of my job, I had two parts of my job. One, I was writing music guides for teachers to use with their students before they came to a concert, which is crazy to think back on now that my life has how it's just crazy to think about how, where I started and how I'm still even using some of those skills to this day from back when I was 22 years old. Um, But then the other part of my job was going out into Chicago public schools and managing relationships with schools and teachers And so I did that for three years and I would go to schools all over Chicago, some of the, you know, highest need neighborhoods in the city. And I would walk into schools and I'm not kidding. I would leave feeling like this sense of magic. Hmm. And um, I was like, man, I really want to become a teacher. And so my husband, Brian, who I was dating at the time, I said, I think I'd really like to become a teacher. And he's like, let's do this. So I went back and got my master's 
And um, right away, I left that position and I knew I wanted to get immersed in schools while I was going to grad school. So I immediately became a substitute teacher, which was the best choice because I got to see all different kinds of classrooms and kids. Um, And so I subbed through all that experience in Chicago public schools and then ended up teaching in CPS uh, for a decade. Cool. What a great, you know, my mom did um, substitute teaching at all the schools while I was growing up for, I think, a year. And she used it as a way of doing recon to find out which administrators she liked, which buildings mm-hmm. she liked, which faculty right. she liked. But that's a cool way to do grad school. I yeah. love that. Yeah, that's super smart. And it was great because I wasn't, I mean, I had a few more permanent subpositions where I was there for a few weeks, but you're not bringing home grading and you're not bringing home extra work. You just, you know, would go for those six and a half hours, seven hours, and then I could come home and study or if, if maybe I had a huge paper to write, I could just say, no, I'm not subbing tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Um, so that worked out really, really well. Flexibility. Yeah. Flexibility of schedule. That's great. Cool. Okay. So you did your master's. Was it specifically in education or something? Yes. It was a career change program, which was great. And so I, I left with a master of arts and education. I think it was. <laughs> I haven't thought about that for a while. Great. And which university was that through? That was Roosevelt University in Chicago. Cool. Okay. And so then you went into teaching. Tell us where you taught and what you taught. So I taught at two different schools, which I'm so glad I did that as well. I taught at McCormick Elementary School in Little Village in Chicago, and I taught third, fourth, and fifth grade there. And then I moved to Nettlehorst Elementary School, which is in a totally different part of the city, a really diverse, culturally diverse, just great, great community. Um, So I was there for the rest of my career and I taught fourth and fifth there. Excellent. And how many years was, did you say that was 10 years? It was 10 years total. Yes. Excellent. And this is kind of a hard question to probably sum things up because there's probably a lot of this, but what were some of your favorite things about teaching in the classroom? Because I know you still in your current role. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for acknowledging that. Um, I think that, you know, I went through some really, really difficult personal times while I was a teacher. I had lost my brother. I lost both of my brothers actually within five years of each other. And, and just the magic of how kids were able to help me through some of those really hard times. And I mean, I remember going to school, I had lost my brother. I had two really young kids, a baby and a toddler. I was married, you know, all those things. And I would go into school exhausted and just the kids would funnel their energy to me and give me energy. Um, so those were, those are some of my favorite things. And so maybe I had gotten in a little fight with my husband and was going to the school in a bad mood and they were able to like turn my mood around, you know, in a heartbeat. I think probably for me, my favorite thing is I'm a super creative person and I'm not scared to take risks at all. And so I took tons of risks. I mean, there were times that I would be in the middle of teaching a math lesson and some idea would come to me and I would be like, okay, everyone stop. I want you to move your desk to the wall. We're going to do this. And so I just took a lot of risks and my kids, I think, learned from that. And so they were willing to take risks with me and they knew kind of how they needed to navigate risk, if that makes sense. And what their behaviors needed to be so that we could do those fun off the wall things. Um, So those are that creativity I was able to have where I would be able to come up with an idea on a Friday afternoon for the next week and just boom, implement it and then see if it worked um, 
was probably my favorite thing. I love hearing that. And from everything that you're describing, it's so clear to tell that you and your students had an incredible relationship. I think it says a lot about you and a lot about your students, but the fact that it's giving you more energy to be there in the classroom and that you feel more supported, even when life circumstances were super challenging, that just speaks worlds. Thanks. And you know, what's really fun is now a lot of the students that were, that I taught in that fifth grade, kind of my last years of teaching, some of them are going off to college now. And it's really fun to hear from their parents and, you know, having them say, Hey, you had my kids so prepared for middle school. And to this day, you were one of their favorite teachers. Like that is amazing. Um, And I mean, honestly, I could have stayed in the classroom a lot longer than I did. And I could go back to the classroom tomorrow. Um, so I really, I really love the profession. I love that. And, and I agree with you hundred percent, the relationships with the students. I, I love hearing from my students, seeing where they're going to college, getting wedding announcements. That's crazy. Oh, I haven't gotten that yet, but. Oh my goodness. It, yeah. So exciting to keep those relationships. And yeah, I love knowing that even when I transitioned to my next theme, I could still keep that aspect, but yeah. And it was interesting for me because the leadership at the two schools that I taught at could not have been any different. It was totally a night and day experience as a teacher teaching at those two schools. And I'm so glad I got, you know, one was very, you know, they wanted us to do a scripted reading program. It was very, a tight ship, very, you know, I was still creative and, and what the parameters were. But there were a lot of rules and kind of regulations. And then the next school I went to, there were there was nothing. Like I could basically do whatever I wanted. I'm so glad I had both of those experiences because I think as an entrepreneur now and as a leader, I can say that I've really seen a lot of, of different, you know, that coupled with my experience in that tech, I've seen a lot of different types of classrooms and schools. Yeah, great insights. Love it. Uh, you mentioned that you could have stayed in the classroom a lot longer you mentioned that you could go back tomorrow. Will you tell us about your process, just your personal path in choosing to go from the classroom? Like what led you onward? It's funny. I think it chose me in a lot of this situation and where I am today. So when I was teaching, the first generation iPad came out and Chicago Public Schools and Apple paired up and they decided, okay, we want to try to put iPad carts one-to-one in some classrooms in CPS. So they did. And I was lucky enough to be one of those teachers with one of those first iPad carts. And so I firsthand saw the power of technology in ad tech um, if it was used correctly. And so right around year 10, my family, we decided to move to the suburbs of Chicago. And so we moved out here and I thought I was going to teach. So I went looking for teaching jobs and I had my national boards, 10 years, master's plus 30, and no one would even interview me because in our county, if you have, you know, your 10 years, I mean, basically it was too expensive. No one could interview me. No one could hire me. So I was kind of boxed out of the profession, um, which is just insane. Like, is that how we run our hospitals? Like, no doctor, we do not want you even though you're the most experienced neurosurgeon, we cannot afford you. We will not hire you. Right. And so I was kind of boxed out of the profession. And so I needed a job and I started looking for roles in ed tech. And so I ended up getting a job as a partnership manager at eSpark Learning, which 
at the time was about, I think, four years old. It was an ed tech startup. Um, And so I worked there three years and I loved it. And the best thing about that was I worked in partnership management. I did a lot of PD. I worked with our engineering team. I learned a ton about tech and setup and behind the scenes of how you set iPads up and devices. I had a summer where I helped the learning design team out. I um, And then I started to really have this passion for presenting and working with school districts, leadership teams. And so I started to take on some of our biggest implementations for our company. And then by the time I left there as director of customer success, I was responsible for um, tracking and working on all of the renewal and expansion of our current account. So I had really started to do a lot of sa- more helping the sales team uh, when we were going to talk to new districts. And the beauty of all of those things I was doing, I mean, I got to really sit in the shoes of so many different people within the company and sit in the shoes. I don't know why I just said sit in the shoes. <laughs> Walk in the shoes. or sit in the seat, whatever that was that I was trying to say there. But anyway, walk in the shoes of so many different people in different roles. I got to be very close to our CEO and our CTO, who is a genius. And those people are still helping me today. And I have close relationships with them. One of the things I really loved about that is I literally traveled from New York to California, to Florida, to Idaho, to Missouri, that like I went all over the country, rural, huge urban districts. I saw every kind of district. I talked to all different kinds of teachers. I got to hear what made them happy, what made them mad, what frustrated them. I mean, I had so much exposure and little did I know that all of that was going to fuel what I'm, you know, the work I'm doing today. And so then beyond that, I decided, okay, I really want to see how a large, large education company works. So I transferred to work as the director of customer success at Discovery Education, which is part of, you know, the Discovery Communications uh, Discovery Channel. And so that was amazing. And I was then in charge of a region that were some of the largest school districts in the country, specifically in Florida, such as Miami-Dade and um, got to really see behind the curtain of those huge, huge school districts and how they work. So um, that is kind of my career path, you know, right after I left the classroom. I love it. And then going from discovery, is that when you created Educators to Educators? Yeah. So I knew, I always say that I can still remember this flight. I was flying home from Miami and I had flown down there for like a presentation to their leadership team and we had a dinner and it was really great and I enjoyed it. And I was feeling my career was just going really, really well there in my first year. But I had two aha moments. The first was I have two little kids at home and I'm flying to Miami to go to these dinners and then I'm missing some stuff I really wanted to be at. I really want to be around my kids or in middle school and high school. It's super important to me. I think those are such key years. And so I was starting to miss things I didn't want to miss. And two, I was getting further and further away from teachers. Like the work I was doing, I was working with really important people and vision setters, and that was amazing. But I had this passion all the way from back when I was at the CSO for teachers in the classroom. And so I resigned from my position at Discovery and I began doing my podcast first, Educators to Educators. And then from there, I knew that I was going to build out a space for teachers to share with one another. I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. And so to fund Educators to Educators, 
I was doing consulting. So I have a consulting group and I was doing consulting work with a bunch of education companies all across the country to basically earn money so that, you know, I could fuel educators to educators. So today I am, you know, 90% focused on running educators to educators. Excellent. I love hearing that. That's yeah. Thanks for giving us kind of the full scope of it. Can I take us back to just a couple of questions that came to mind? through your story that you're sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, I loved how you mentioned the relationships that you made, not only in the schools, but relationships with educational leaders. And when you change, it's obvious through what you share with educators to educators uh, on your social media platform, that you have great relationships still with people from eSpark Learning. Yes. Even yeah. though you then went on to a different company. And at I'm sure with discovery that you still have great relationships where you went onto something else. I know sometimes some of the people in our audience are hesitant on making a change because they feel like they're going to hurt relationships or burn bridges or something. Can you speak to that about more experience, more places, just yeah, good relationships and developing oneself on a career path? Well, I always say, and when I had, people that I was managing or it's, I don't know if it was like the teacher in me or I was a little older, but in both companies, people would always come to me and confide and talk to me. And if they were thinking about leaving, they would talk to me. And the advice I always gave was people are not going to remember how you came in a company. They're not going to remember every little thing that they, that you did while you were there, but they are going to remember the way you leave. They are going to remember the way you leave. And so you have, every right, like you have one life to live and guess what? Nobody cares about that life, but as much as you do. Okay. Even the people that love you, they're living their own life and trying to figure their own stuff out. You have to be in charge of what you want. And I think that for me, when I made changes, I knew it was the right thing. I was, I was determined to make those changes for the right reasons. But because I had every single day of my job been a kind colleague, an understanding colleague, a colleague that didn't go talking behind people's back, a colleague that worked hard, a colleague that cared about my, you know, coworkers doing good jobs and getting recognition for their hard work. I cared about each person as a human being. How was their dog? How was their daughter? How was their relationship? Like, I had such solid relationships that when it come time for me to transition, people were sad and people wanted me to stay, but I did it in a professional and classy way. And I worked super strong until the last minute I was part of that company or school or organization. Um, and then post leaving those relationships lived on and I text people. I mean, I actually had three texts from last week from people from eSpark and discovery saying, Oh my gosh, look what you're doing. You are doing amazing work. I cannot believe like how fast things have blossomed for you. And I mean, so I think that sometimes when people leave, even let's say your boss is mad you're leaving, you can still be super classy, right? True. You can still be professional and you can still continue to nurture that relationship. Maybe the relationship might need a little space, Um, but you have to leave with integrity. Well said. I know when I when I was transitioning from the classroom to the next thing, I had to do a letter of resignation, and I just made sure it was an expression of appreciation 
because my district and my school had done so much to invest in me, to support me, to help me. Anyway, just I, I, I knew that when I wrote it, I actually took a picture of it because I wanted to feel so confident and so comfortable with it that I would be comfortable if I were to ever share that. Yeah. Your audience. So, but really like they've done so much that's so good. I, anyway, as I've gone from, from different organizations to another, just really expressing, expressing appreciation, I think has been one of the ways of really acknowledging the good they've done and keeping it classy. Like you said, well, and when you work on yourself and you work on yourself, trying to be a whole healthy, good person who's happy and can look in the mirror and say, my thing I've been doing lately for myself, this is so cheesy is I look at myself in the mirror and I'll be like, you did good today. <laughs> like you made it to yeah. the gym. Like you promised yourself, you know, you, you kept your cool when your son was dragging his feet on his book report. Like you did good today, Carrie. But anyway, when you're, when you're focused on your own mental health and feeling healthy and happy, you project that onto other people and people will be attracted to that. Not everyone's going to love you. Like people, you know, there are people that you're not their cup of tea, but when you feel whole yourself, you attract other people to you. And, and the beauty for me is I am not perfect, but I tried to be a really good person. And so that's why today, you know, with educators, educators, you know, eSpark is a partner of ours, right? Because I kept that relationship. And when I, I can't tell you how many emails I get where there's someone I used to work with at Nettlehorst or McCormick. I mean, old teachers from McCormick that I used to work with are coming to our event in Chicago. The worlds collide so much and people will text me, hey, I want to introduce you to this principal. Hey, I want to introduce you to this person. So, you know, I know a lot of the people probably listening to this podcast might be like, I'm, I'm done with teaching or I'm done with this. I want to transition. Um, and one of my biggest pieces of advice is stay really focused on doing a really good job in the job you're in right now and being a really, really good colleague and a really good employee. Excellent. Yeah. I feel like one of the best predictors of how well we're going to be doing and whatever we're going to be doing in the future is how well we're doing at whatever we're doing right now. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. a pattern. Yeah. It's how we can predict the future in a way. Um, I know you have some specific advice to share with people that are planning on transitioning. And like I said to you before we started recording, you're in a position where you can advise so well on this from having been in the classroom, from working with teachers now, even yeah. as you're beyond the classroom. But first off, what are some of the most commonly asked questions that you get from teachers about transitioning? Oh man, probably like teachers don't realize that how their skill set trans translates into other jobs. I get a lot of like, well, I've only been a teacher. I'm just a teacher. So I get a lot of questions around how to take the skills that you have uh, in the classroom that you're using as a teacher and translate them out into the business world. So I get that question a lot. I get that question a lot of like, how do I know if it's time? I get a lot of question about financials. Like what is a salary I could get doing another job? Uh, I get a lot of questions about getting help on help on resumes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so all over the board, really. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. And then what is some of the advice? I know you have some specific advice for teachers who are transitioning and you are welcome to share any and all of it. Well, I guess my biggest thing is when um, people, when teachers come to me is 
the first thing I say is you need to find out exactly why you're unhappy. Like if you are unhappy. So let's talk about, I guess there's kind of two different buckets, right? There's like the teacher that's miserable or unhappy in their job and wants out. And then there's the other bucket of I'm happy, but I'm hungry for more. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So the I'm happy, I'm hungry for more people. They're really easy to help. (laughs) It's the people that are miserable and hate it. And they're just want out. And I always give the advice, like you have got to figure out exactly why you are so unhappy teaching. Because a lot of times it's not actually the profession. Like a lot of times it can be things going on in your personal life that are dragging you down that you're not actually taking a hard look at. It could be your relationship with money and your spending habits versus your salary. It could be that you're not taking good care of yourself. It could be that you're not setting healthy boundaries and you're letting people walk all over you at work, letting parents walk all over you. So I always say, you know, like, let's say you are wanting to leave because you can't stand working with parents anymore and the parents are driving you nuts. Well, I always say, listen, like you could go work for an ed tech company, but guess who's going to be driving you nuts there? The teachers. (laughs) The teachers who are writing in that are unhappy with the product or unhappy with the professional development or, you know, like you're always going, if maybe the core problem there is that you have a hard time with constructive criticism, or maybe you're not exercising and taking care of yourself. And so you're taking things really personally that you shouldn't be. I mean, there could be a million things there, but you kind of catch what I'm saying. Like, absolutely. You need to decide, is it actually teaching? Is there other things going on with my mental health, my physical health, whatever, that's like making me not like this profession, because that is going to transfer to any other job that you have. That's not. Yeah. It's not about the job. No, it's about oneself. I love that. So, and I love the advice that you're giving for identifying what it is and identifying strategies and ways to improve whatever that is. What about advice for those that are just hungry for more? I know that is a really good way of, yeah. of, of yeah. saying the category that I, that I was in. So, And really, really, before we move on, one thing I want to say is I think if you are really feeling like you're having a hard time and you're not happy, getting the help of a licensed therapist or counselor could be really beneficial in this time. I think that Um, having someone help you really identify what is going on. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I think that is very helpful. Um, And it's advice I give a lot of people, but those who are kind of more bored and like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm hungry for more. The advice I usually give them is they need to spend a year figuring out what they are really passionate about and whether they want to stay in education or they want to get completely out of education. Now I always say, that if a teacher is ready to transition out of the classroom, I want them to stay in education. I don't want them to go be a bank teller at Bank of America or like, you know, go work in, um, you know, I, I, I want them to stay in education if we can get them to. And there's a lot of really great jobs in education. So I think that's the first choice you have to make is what are my skill sets? Am I willing to stay in education and go work for an education company or do I want to completely transfer out? I love it. Yeah. And it does take, I love how you said, spend one year figuring out what you're passionate about. It does take a while. Self-discovery with that. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and also, I mean, one of the beautiful things about working at a startup, which I really liked is that, as I mentioned earlier, you can wear lots of different hats and find out, like, I thought I was going to love curriculum design. 
I thought that was going to be just something I loved when I spent that summer working on it. And curriculum design at a company is way different than designing curriculum for your own classroom, as you probably know. Yeah, <laughs> um, That is one perk about going to work for a startup is a lot of times you'll get to pitch in and help out and you start, I mean, people switch to different roles and help different teams out. And so you get a lot of exposure to what you really, really like. Um, yeah, for a lot of different hats. You know, something else that you mentioned as far as staying in education, not just having a role change and going and working as a teller at a bank. I know for those who are hungry for more, oftentimes they don't just want something different. They want progress. You know, they want to be building on the skills that they already have and yeah, yeah progressing. And, and so, yeah, taking those skills to another level, I think identifying the strengths that you have, what you're passionate about, like you said, as well as actual opportunities that are out there that relate with those. Yeah. And I think that, you know, teachers think about transitioning and there's a lot of different ways that you can go. You know, for me, where I'm at now, I'm my own boss. I'm in charge of every single thing I do. Um, and I love that I can handle having zero structure. Um, I can handle working alone. I can handle hiring contractors and working with them. Like I'm very good at being my own boss and, and managing my own time. I know people that have left companies that I've worked at to go out on their own. They were very successful working at a startup or a corporate and they go out on their own and they hate it. And it's a horrible fit for them. And so the reason I bring that up is that you know, you hear these stories of like, oh, this person made millions on teachers pay teachers and they're, they could quit and go out on their own. And the people that do that, they have a real passion for making products, right? They, that is their passion and they're really good at it. And they are able to self-regulate and kind of run their own business, but that isn't for everyone. So I think I just don't like, Sometimes I think some people think, well, I just want to be able to stay home with my kids and have the freedom to, you know, sell products on Etsy or whatever. What you really got to think about is like, can you, do you have the restraint and discipline to be able to do something like that? Or do you need to be in a role in which you're going into an office and you have a boss that kind of guides you? And now for me, I think if I had transitioned from classroom just to entrepreneur, it never would have worked. Like I needed to go through all these other other roles to be as successful as I am. Agreed. And I think um, with so many things today, I think entrepreneurship, it sounds so cool and solopreneur and having your own thing and doing this, this, this. For some people, I think it's a lonely experience. But for other people, I would say for myself and the agency that I run and doing this on the side now, I would say... I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't have been able to do that automatically out of the classroom by any means. Yeah. One, because I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have developed the, the professional skills and different, yeah. yeah, the different skills that I have, but also the relationships, the clients, the companies, the people that I've worked with, the companies that I've worked for, the companies I've rubbed shoulders with, they all develop opportunities for things later on. So. Absolutely. And I think that, there's just things you don't learn as a teacher. <laughs> I mean, business writing, how to write an email, how to communicate, you know, when to be formal, when to be informal. Like there are things I just didn't know how to go into a room. Like I just went to a launch event for a company in my town and I walked into a room where I knew one of the founders and no one else. And 
back in the day when I was in the classroom, I'm not sure I would have been able to do that. And now I can walk in and work that room and not work, right? And so I think that there were just things that being in that startup and that business environment that I can, I could stand on stage and present to thousands of people now, like that doesn't scare me. So I just think that there were so many great things that came from having those stepping stones to being out on my own. Totally agree. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. It's awesome. Shoot. Like building a spreadsheet, <laughs> like those kind of, all, even just the like practical things, building a website. All yeah. Those little things. things that you learn in kind of the day-to-day of other, yeah, of other roles and opportunities. I remember being in the classroom, but knowing I needed to be somewhere else. And I'd talk with other people about what they do now, kind of how you and I are discussing things. And they're like, oh, you know, and then it all just worked out and here's the whole story. And it makes so much sense looking back on it now, but it didn't make sense all along the way necessarily. Can we, yeah. If we were to go back to, you know, you moved and you weren't able to, like nowhere could afford you as a teacher, how can you speak to those teachers that are in that same spot? They are looking for something else. What would you recommend to teachers as far as job search? Or maybe they've identified what they want to do. They're looking for actual opportunities to do that. Yeah. Well, first of all, you need to be networking your little Mm -hmm. hiney off. And I don't care if you live in the middle of nowhere, you can still network. So Let's say you use Flipgrid in your classroom. You get on every Flipgrid Facebook group. You search their job board. You write the company to tell them how much you love the product. You become an ambassador. You send them, you know, ways you're using it in your classroom. You share things. You do Flipgrid PDs. I mean, you are like obsessed with the company. You know everything. Well, not obsessed in a scary way, but. You need to show a passion for the, don't just say, oh, I love ed tech. I'm so excited about ed tech. No, what, what products do you like and why do you like them and voice it and be an ambassador for them, write them up and say, I love your product. I want to help you grow. How can I help you? And network, go to conferences, go to ISTE, go, go to ISTE and go around the convention floor and meet these people, these companies, create business cards and hand them and say, I want to get into ed tech. I'm looking for a job. Go in your town, go to, you know, every, you heard a friend of a friend is launching a company, like go there to the networking event and go around and talk to people and say, I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm really good at these three things. I'm looking for a position. Do you know of anything? You, you have to do the work. And we were talking about this a little bit before we were recording and I get people coming to me all the time saying, I want to transition out that very, very, very few of them actually want to do the work that it takes to transition out. I can think of a handful of people and I've helped people get jobs. Um, I've helped people get jobs in other school districts. I've helped them get other jobs, but many of them just want me to hand them the job on the silver platter and say, here, apply for it. And that's just not the way that works. Like I go to one of my favorite, favorite resources. And actually if you're an, I have a membership for the E2E membership site, Allie, and it is $10 a month to be an E2E member. It's like literally a lunch out. There are a couple of really good resources in that membership site. And one of them is called, there's uh, two, like two or three modules that are 
classroom to boardroom 101, classroom to boardroom 201. And then there's some other career ones in there. But one of my, um, I think it's in classroom to boardroom 201. I talk about how to find, where to find jobs and how to find them and how to apply for them. And um, so one of my favorite resources that I go to is EdSurge and I'll look on their job boards. But what I find is I'll give that advice to people to go to EdSurge. So it's E-D-S-U-R-G-E.com and go on the job boards. For everyone that wants it. Yes. Thank you. So you go there and you look on the job boards and you're like, "Mm, I don't know what any of this means. I'm not qualified. And so I have done when I was doing classroom to boardroom 101 and 201 before I turned them into the little mini courses, I had a live group that I was taking through this and we were kind of like a mastermind and over and over I heard, Oh, I'm not qualified for that. And I'm like, yes, you are. And so one of the things I do in that 101 and 201 is say, okay, this is how, if you're a teacher, it actually matches up to this role. But I I do feel like you have to be ready for this to almost be like a little bit of a part-time job for you. So if you're serious about it, you need to leave your school at a decent time. And like, if you have kids in childcare, you leave at four, you go to the Starbucks across the street and you do job, you know, Monday and Wednesday, you do job search work or work on your resume for an hour before you pick up your kids or whatever your situation is, you get my gist. It ha- you have to work for it. It's not going to be handed to you. Excellent. Everything that you're saying, I'm like, oh, yes to this and yes to that. Sometimes teachers, you know, it is work. It is work to find new work. And it really takes yeah, it really is. Sometimes teachers will reach out and, you know, one reached out recently and she said, I'm, I'm done teaching. You know, can you help me get to next steps? And an- another said, I'm should I stay in the classroom while still finding really being in the classroom can be a great place for making the connections. Like you mentioned about reach out to the companies whose resources you use the most, you know, take a picture of you in your classroom, using that resource, share it on social media. And like you said, go to an ed tech conference or a writing conference, whatever it is. And for the teachers who are thinking, but I can't afford it. My question is, maybe you can't afford not to if it really is where your heart and what you're wanting. And maybe that is a good gut check of where you really are with it. Like, do you really want it or, or not? And it's okay. Like shouldn't feel guilt on either side of answering that question, but those might be some of the things that help, you know, if you really want to. Yeah. And and I think it's interesting because in the career section of the E2E membership site, which if you do join that site, I just want to say like we roll the career stuff out slowly month to month. So it's not too overwhelming, but I interview people that I worked at discovery with and eSpark. And we talk a lot about interviewing. Um, we give tips and tricks about how to nail the interview once you get it, um, which is a whole other podcast that we could talk about, but you're right. Like if you are serious about it, then cut back for a few months so that you can find those opportunities. I, I, I even think about it for me um, when I get to the point with E2E where I need to hire people and they're, they're going to be educators when I do it, unless it's a really specialized position. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, I know right now who my true supporters are and who have been there from the beginning or if they just join E2E, they're so positive. They're commenting when I'm posting on Instagram they're sending me emails after the conferences saying, oh my gosh, that was amazing. Here's what I loved. Thank you so much. Like I know who's positive and who's being supportive. I'm bookmarking that in my mind. And 
you know these other companies are too, especially the smaller, more startup companies. I love it. Yes, absolutely. Some of them that I reached out to in those ways, you know, they asked, hey, could you help us out at this conference in your state so I don't have to fly out there? You know, it yep. saves them so much money. Some of them wanted to keep their monitors and their swag in my garage the whole year so that they didn't have to fly it out for different conferences, you know, and to just have someone on site so they don't have to fly somebody out to train all the time. It's just incredibly yeah. helpful. So I love everything that you're saying. So, so good. Don't you think that you're going to throw it out there for a couple of weeks and if it doesn't work, like give yeah. up. That's why I say, I mean, actually starting now is a really good time to start thinking about it for next year. So true. That's so true. You know, and it's like a relationship. It's like, it's like dating, but that sounds kind of weird. You know, if you throw something out there, some companies really, really, really need and want what you can do. And some, maybe they're fully staffed at the moment. That's okay. Yep. Like the right relationships will bounce back to you, but you've got to leave it out there. 100%. Love that. Um, any advice? I know we're going to direct people to your membership site. Stoked about that. Any advice you want to offer them for about interviewing and resumes? I definitely think if resume writing feels overwhelming to you, hiring someone to write it for you is an option. It's less expensive than people might think. My number one, I do. I used to do more coaching and resume. Um, kind of critiquing and helping. I'm not, I've not, I've taken that off my plate, but number one, the biggest piece of feedback I always give people on their resume is, well, can I give you two? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, one is I should be, I think there's statistics says that when a recruiter or hiring manager is looking at a resume, they spend between four and six seconds looking at your resume. So no one should be having to dig for anything on your resume. It should be so clear Boom, this is your name. Boom, this is where you live. Boom, this is your, you know, who you are and what you want. Boom, here's your experience. You know, I I have six seconds to figure out who you are. So please make sure your resume is so easy to find information and easy. And then the other thing is when you're in your resume and you're writing about your experience, you really need to think about cause and effect. So I led my, the science team you know, for I led the science department for the entire district. And the result was a 100% retention of teachers. I implemented guided reading in my classroom. I was like an ambassador for guided reading. As a result, my students test scores rose, blah, blah, blah. So like, I did this. And this is what happened. I did this. And and the more data you have, the better. Data is huge and teachers use data and analyze it, but not as much as you will probably at a company. So like showing that you understand data is really important. That's so great. And I know some teachers really aren't fans of the data that they have with end of year test scores, but friends, that can be your best help with exactly what Carrie's talking about. If you have your student scores from the previous year and you have that data, then you can also get their test score data at the end of your year. Boom. You've got data on helped students in this curriculum area, or maybe you want to want it to be more professional wording of helped my learning audience go from X percent to Y percent within this much time or with PLC, yeah. and different assessments and things that you're doing, knowledge checks. 
boom, show growth. You've got it. I would say that if you are a teacher who is super anti-testing and you hate testing and you don't like data, I'm going to be blunt. I don't think going to an ed tech company is going to be the right fit for you. I loved data. And actually, testing didn't bother me and it didn't bother my students because of the way we approached it. We approached it as a mindset of, hey, this is just a check-in for me to know where we need to go next. So we're going to go take this map test. I need you to take it seriously. I need you to show me what you know, and here's why. And my kids did take it seriously, and they rocked it. And my test scores were amazing, but I didn't make it a big stressful thing, and the kids didn't think that I hated it. You know, they think you're cute. So anyway, I'm going on a tangent, but I loved that data. It told me exactly what I needed to teach more of and what I needed to teach less of and who I needed to pull in a small group. And that love of data really translated into my roles in ed tech. Oh, man, we could do a whole episode on having a good mindset around things like that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Oh, so many thoughts. Yes. So many thoughts about that. Thank you. Okay, Carrie, any other, you've already shared tips for transitioning teachers. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience? You know, it's just that I think every day waking up and focusing in on your own mental health and happiness, and it's easier said than done. I think there's been a lot about teacher self-care And I think teacher self-care really needs to be less about the manicures and the yoga classes, although those are extremely important, but more about, you know, how you're treating yourself and the things you're saying to yourself on a daily basis and, you know, paying attention to that voice in the back of your head and how you're talking to yourself. Um, If you really hone in on that and, you know, I do have a podcast, very different than yours. So I feel like I could talk out of here, but I do have a podcast and I do talk a lot about teacher mental health and how to help you know, set healthy boundaries and stuff like that. So pop on over there and give some of those a uh, listen if you'd like. But I think just really digging deep and finding out what really does make you happy um, and starting there. So I'll leave you with that little tidbit. That's so great. And we're going to have a link to your podcast, a link to your membership site. But I encourage everyone to check out Educators to Educators. It's encouraging. It's by teachers. It's for teachers. Everything from you know, the mental health that Carrie's talking about to actual tips and strategies and resources to help things be more effective in your classroom. So Carrie, I can't thank you enough for sharing your teacher transition story and the advice that you have for teachers and for teachers who are transitioning as well. It's priceless. It comes from such a great place and a place of experience as well. So Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for letting me share this time with you and with your listeners. You bet. Okay. And we'll have all these resources in the show notes so you can find them there. Okay. Thanks so much, Carrie. We will talk to you soon. Talk soon. If you're a teacher in the classroom and you know you need to be doing something different, but you don't know what you're qualified to do, what you can do, how to take those steps, the online course is just for you. It's called Find Your Next Dream Job for Teachers, and it will walk you through a process of identifying what you are a rock star at, what you love and enjoy and are skilled at, and then it will help you see how to connect with real companies and real opportunities aligned with that. We have lists for you of hundreds of companies who love hiring teachers, how to get in contact with them, who you can network through, 
personally to get in contact with them. And not just that, we have resume templates and cover letter templates already prepared for you, showcasing your educator skills and gearing it towards specific roles and jobs that teachers land effectively. These have all been reviewed by interviewers who interview teachers frequently. They've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. They are going to also coach you on how to interview effectively. So if you're not sure what to do next, go ahead and go to teachertransition.com forward slash find your job and sign up for our course there. We'll also have a link to it in the show notes. To celebrate the launch of this podcast, I'm hosting a giveaway with a prize pack. This includes a teacher transition planner, strengths finder book, quote printables, and a one-on-one coaching session with me. To win, all you have to do is rate the podcast and leave a review. Simply tell me what you're loving about it or what your biggest takeaway is so far. Then, before you click submit, take a screenshot of your review and email it to me at hello at teachertransition.com with the subject line giveaway. From there, I'll choose the winners and email you to let you know you've won. This episode may have ended, but connecting doesn't have to. Join us on Facebook or Instagram and get the support and inspiration you need in your personal educator path. If you're loving the podcast, help us spread the word. Leave a review or screenshot the episode, share it on social media, and be sure to tag us at Teacher Transition. Who knows? We may even feature what you share on our social media feed too. Until next time, teacher friends, be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. Good luck with the great things you're up to right now and keep looking forward to the amazing things to come.